as we think about celebrating Jesus, celebrating Jesus, um, I, my, my, my heart's desire this Christmas season is just for God's word to remind us about who this baby is. Think about a birth of a baby. And, you know, a baby is a baby, right? I mean, babies are born all the time. And, and it's exciting for that family and those friends. It's a, it's a joyful time. But then that birth is over and there's babies that are born and there are babies that are born and babies are born and they're all babies. Sometimes the things that make the, the, the birth of a baby something really to remember are the events that surround the birth of that child. Uh, for instance, I have some friends who uh, just had their second child um, about a week ago. I guess it's been about a week. And, um, and that child coming into this world uh, will be remembered uh, for a long time uh, because of the events surrounding that child's birth. Because that child was born on I-85 in their car. Um, and so, yes, uh, lots of excitement um, and Maybe not so much excitement, uh, scariness. Uh, I don't know if that's a word, but uh, but uh, surrounding the birth of that little boy. Uh, but something to remember, right? The events surrounding that child's birth will be remembered for a long, long time. But you know, Jesus's birth is a little different. Yes, there were some incredible events surrounding his birth. And the fact that he was born of a virgin, the fact that there were angels that announced his birth to shepherds, the fact that wise men came from a long way bringing very expensive gifts. And so Jesus had, we could say, in some ways, an eventful birth, even though many didn't pay it any attention. But there's something different about Jesus than just some interesting events surrounding his birth. That little boy that was born on I-85 had an eventful birth, but that little baby is simply just another baby. I mean that with all the love and respect. I know his parents would say, he's not just another little baby, he's our little baby, I get that. But that baby is just a human, it's just, just, just a baby. That birth was unique because of the events surrounding it, but not so much because of who was born. However, with Jesus, it's not simply that there were some interesting um, events surrounding his birth. What really makes his birth worth remembering year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia. What makes his birth worth celebrating over and over and over not simply how he came, but also because of who he is. We are celebrating Jesus. And he is unique. Unique in many different ways. And so as we're studying through this passage of Colossians, we're learning some things about who this baby is. And it's my belief I know it's been true in my life that the more I learn about who Jesus is, the better I celebrate him at Christmas. When I begin to lose sight of who Christ is, then I begin to focus my mind on other things that are less than who he is. And so my celebration becomes more like the world and less like the church. 
The more I learn about who Christ is, the way the world celebrates just seems kind of silly. Because I have something so much better, something far greater to celebrate. The birth of the Son of God, the Christ child, the one who has come to rescue us from our sins. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And there we saw that Jesus is the King of light. We celebrate Him because He is the King of light. Last week we looked at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. And we said that we celebrate Jesus because He is the Lord of creation. And today, I want us to look at verses 18 through 20 of Colossians chapter 1. And as we do, we're going to see that we should celebrate Jesus because He is the head of the church. We celebrate Jesus because he is the head of the church. Here in this passage of Scripture, Paul is helping the Colossian church understand exactly who Jesus is so they will stand firm in believing the truth about Jesus. Let's read these few verses together. You follow along as I read Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And he, speaking of Jesus, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You pray with me? Heavenly Father, this is your word. It is true It is alive and active. It is powerful. Father, speak the truth of your word into our hearts today. Father, do in us whatever it is that you desire to do. Father, help us to be obedient to your word. Help us to grow to love you more and more through your word. Father, speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At Christmas, we celebrate Jesus, the rightful head of the church, who, being God and man, reconciled us in his death and conquered death in his rising. Let me say that one more time. This is a summary statement of this passage. At Christmas, we celebrate Jesus because he is the rightful head of the church. He is God and man. Both at the same time and being God and man, he has reconciled us in his death and he has conquered death in his rising. Notice this phrase here that verse 18 begins with, and he is the head and he is the head, the head of what? Well, of the body. That makes sense. The head of the body. Well, who is this body? Well, it is the church. We have this very strong statement right at the beginning of verse 18 that Jesus is the head. The church is his body. Well, who is the church? Well, the church is the people of God. The church is all of those who belong to God. One of my favorite verses from the Christmas story comes from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It says, She will bear a son, and you, speak, the angel speaking to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. And here's, here's the, the verse that just I love, my favorite verse in the Christmas story. For he will save his people from their sins. Well, I could preach a whole sermon on that. I have preached a whole sermon on that verse before. But, but notice that they called his name Jesus. The name Jesus means the one who saves because he will save his people from their sins. 
Jesus has a people. That is good news. It's good news because all people have been separated from God because of their sin. And we could say it this way. God, in one sense, shouldn't have a people because all the people have been kicked out of his kingdom because all the people have sinned. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus does have a people. And the reason there are a people who can belong to him is because he has come to save his people from their sins. And his people, Scripture calls the church. But the church is not a group of people who run themselves. The church is not the whole body. The church is the body minus the head. We get to be the hands and the feet and the fingers and the toes. But Jesus is the head. Why is it important for us to be reminded of that? Well, because in our rebellious, sinful nature, we like to be the head. We like to call the shots. We like to make the rules for our lives. We, got, we like to say, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do that. But as the church, we have a head. And it's not any of us. It is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. He is the one who is the leader of the church. And he is the one through whom the church receives life and nourishment. Let me just give you just a a, a few truths about Jesus being our head. And then we're going to ask this question. Why would we submit to Jesus as the head? What has he done? Who is he that he gets to be the rightful head of the church? Just a few truths, though, about Jesus being our head. And one we already mentioned, we get to belong to God. The fact that Jesus is the head of a body and we get to be a part of that body means we get to belong to God. We don't deserve that. You and I have sinned and we have offended the holy, righteous God of this universe. And we should not belong to him. We should be punished by him. But Jesus being the head of the church helps us know that we actually get to belong to him. We get to be a people that belong to him. But we only belong to him if we belong to his people. You see, some people want Jesus, but they don't want the people that go with Jesus. It's important for us to remember that Jesus didn't just come to save you as an individual. He came to save his people, not just individual persons. He does that, but we also must be reminded that we are saved into the body of Christ. We are saved into the family of God. We don't go, I want you, Jesus, but I don't want the rest of your people. No, it doesn't work that way. We get Jesus as the head. We get joined into the whole body. We get to belong to God, and we only belong to God if we also belong to his people. We also learn that we do have a master who rules over the body, who gives direction. He is the ruler. He is the king. And also, we can and we will grow with Jesus as our head. You see, how does your body receive nourishment? Through the head, right? Jesus, through him, we grow as the church. If you flip over to Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. Right in the middle of this passage about not being swept away by false teachings, The Apostle Paul writes this to the church at Colossae, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. You see, because Jesus is our head, we don't stay where we're at. 
we continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Here's one thing that means. That means every Christmas, your celebrations should bring more and more and more glory and honor to God because you're growing. If you're a Christian, you're growing with Jesus as your head, nourishing you. You're growing in your understanding of who He is. So your Christmases ought to become more Jesus-centered, more glorifying to God each and every year because we're constantly growing with Jesus as our head. As a church, as a church, we should be growing, getting better and better and better at making Jesus the center of everything that we do. He is our head. But as I said, there's a danger always that we would replace the rightful head of the church with someone else. But as we'll see as we walk through these three, three verses, there is no one, no one, no one, never has been, never will be, that is the rightful head of the church. No pastor, no preacher, no pope, no popular person can take Jesus' place because no one, no one is like him in who he is and no one has done what he has done. Why is Jesus the head of the people of God? And therefore, why should we as the church submit to Jesus as our head. Number one, the church submits to Jesus as the head because He alone has conquered death. He alone has conquered death. How many people in here get excited about death? I don't. I don't. Death is the enemy. Death, death is the enemy. Now, I know some of you are like, well, kind of because I get to see Jesus one day. Yes, but... But death itself, just by itself, death is not a good thing. There was no death in this world until sin entered into this world. God is not the author of death. He is the author of life. Christ has come and He has conquered death. And notice what Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 says. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. He is the beginning, as we talked about last week, not only in the realm of creation, but also in the realm of the church. He takes first place. Now, we spoke in detail last week about this word firstborn back up in verse 15. And so we won't go into that again. I'll just say as a reminder, this word firstborn is not speaking of uh, birth order. Jesus being the first to be born It's speaking of his status. He gets the place of firstborn. Think about it this way. He is in first place. He is in first place. He always has been and he always will be. But here, instead of him being the firstborn of all creation that we saw back in verse 15, it says that he is the firstborn from the dead. Now, what in the world does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead? Simply put, Jesus is the first of all the church to rise from the dead with an incorruptible body. He is the first to rise from the dead. He is the first one to do that. Acts chapter 26, verse 23 says that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Now, hopefully, some of you maybe are saying, wait a second. I can name some people who rose from the dead before Jesus because Jesus is the one that made him rise from the dead before he rose from the dead, right? 
It was a lot of people, but we know one is probably the most popular one that rose from the dead. What's his name? Lazarus. Yeah, Lazarus. There's a significant portion of Scripture in John's Gospel attributed to this event of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So how can Acts then tell us that Jesus was the first to rise from the dead? Well, there's two different ways to rise from the dead. One way is the way Lazarus rose from the dead. Lazarus died. They put him in the tomb. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he got up and he walked out. You know what happened? I don't know how many years later, but a few years later, he went back to the tomb. Yeah, he died. Lazarus rose, but when he rose, he still had his body that was going to get sick again and was going to get hurt again and was going to experience pain and and suffering and, and would one day die and be put back in the grave. And all those who had been raised from the dead prior to Christ, that was the kind of resurrection that they experienced. It was simply... Uh, breathing new life back into them. They rose, but then eventually they died again. Jesus, though, is the first to rise permanently. He rose never to taste death again. He rose to live forever and ever. Therefore, He is the firstborn from the dead. That is good news. Because He is the firstborn from the dead. Which implies that there will be more to follow. There will be more that will rise in the same way that Jesus rose. There will be more that will be resurrected like Jesus to live forever and ever and ever. And who is it that gets to rise like that? It is his body, the church. See, when we consider the resurrection of Christ, it's not only that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death. It's that he conquered death on our behalf. And everyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus is joined to his people, to his body, with him as his head, gets to experience that resurrection one day forever and ever. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 says, Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. First Corinthians, we find this beautiful passage. First Corinthians chapter 15. When we consider that Jesus is the resurrection, that he has risen from the dead, he is the firstborn from the dead, and that we get to join in that with him, the Apostle Paul writes, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality, and this mortal body, excuse me, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. You ready? This is the good news of the gospel. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death. Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But this is what we celebrate at Christmas. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through. Who? Just anyone? Anyone we want to pick? No. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rightful head of the church, and we submit to him as the head of the church because he alone has conquered death. And the good news is through Him, 
we are conquerors as well. But then he goes on to this next verse and gives us this other reason, another reason why we submit to Jesus as the head. And this has to do not as much with what Jesus has done, but with who he is. Verse 19 says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So we submit to Jesus as the head because he alone is fully God. He alone is fully God. He alone has conquered death and he alone is fully God. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you flip over to chapter 2, chapter 2 again, in verse 9, we find these words speaking of Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This is the miracle of Christmas. It's the incarnation of Christ. That in that manger laid a baby who was fully human. Born of a human mother. He was human. And at the same time, in him, all the fullness of God dwells. You see, it wasn't just that this baby had an eventful birth. This baby was God. He was fully God. The whole time he was on this earth, he wasn't born as, a, as a, just a human baby and then later on in his life got filled with the Spirit of God, something like that. He has always been, always will be fully God. That baby in the manger was God in the flesh. The Word became flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14 says. So why, why do you emphasize that? Well, one reason is because there are some who would deny the virgin birth of Christ. Would say, we don't need to believe that. It's too fanciful. And I would say, no, we must believe that. And we'll see as we continue why that's so important. There are some that would say that Jesus was just a human And then at some point in his life, he got filled with the Spirit of God. And then at some point, the Spirit left him. And he was no longer God anymore. He was just God for a little bit of the time. No. There's no distinguishing any marks in his life where he was and wasn't God. He was always God in the flesh. He is completely God. The fullness of God dwelled in him. We cannot bypass quickly over The virgin birth of Christ at Christmas. For the Holy Spirit, as we read about earlier, overshadowed Mary. And this baby to be born was born of Mary, but was also born of God. It's essential to the Gospel. Which means that if we want to know God, and you should, God created us to know Him. The best thing for you in life is to know God, to know Him well, and to be known by Him. If you want to know God, many people in our world do, there's only one place to look. Jesus. Jesus. He is the only one to look to To know who God is. Because He is the only one that it could be said about in Him. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We don't look for God somewhere other than Jesus. To submit to anyone or anything else. To look 
look for God in someone other than Jesus is to commit idolatry. Because He is the only one who has revealed God to the world. He is the fullness of God. We live in a we live in an interesting time. We live in an interesting society. We live in an interesting world. But we went through a period of time not too long ago where there was this uh, 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 this movement to downplay anything that had any kind of spiritual nature to it. To deny the existence of any kind of God, any kind of uh, higher power, whatever phrases were used. But now we've kind of moved past that and entered back into this, 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 this other time where there is this desire to, to think of life in spiritual terms, to believe in something that can't be seen. The problem is that so many people look for God in all the wrong places. But here's what makes it even more interesting, the society that we, that we live in. All of those places, according to our society, are the right places, even if those places contradict one another. In other words, our society says, whatever you want to believe about God, believe about him. Wherever you want to turn to, to find God, turn to that. Whatever you want to be God is God, and that is God to you, and what I want to be God is God to me, and we'll all believe in God, but this God is very different for each one of us, but they're all right. I know it doesn't make sense, does it? I think the same thing. We live in a world that really longs for God. You know why? Because He has built us. He has created us to long for Him. To be filled by only Him. The problem is we look in all these different places to find meaning and joy, satisfaction in life. There's only one to whom we can look to find God. And that is Jesus Christ. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Him. Why? Because He alone is fully God. Because He alone has conquered death. There's one more thing. He alone provides reconciliation through His death. The church submits to Jesus as the head because He alone provides reconciliation through His death. Notice verse 20. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Church family, this is why we celebrate Jesus at Christmas. Because this baby, who is fully God, who deserves to sit in the highest place in the universe, has come to us for the purpose of dying. So that we, who are separated from Him, could be reconciled. Back to Him. You see, if it was not for His death in our place, we would have no hope. And His coming to this earth would have been meaningless. 
We have this word reconcile here in this passage. The word reconcile is something that takes place. Reconciliation takes place when something that is in turmoil is turned into peace or when a broken relationship is restored. This verse assumes something that the rest of Scripture testifies to very clearly is that we live in a world of turmoil. We live in a state where we need reconciliation. We live in this state of, of, of brokenness where we are at enmity with the God who created us. The relationship between all of creation and the Creator is broken. Jesus is Lord of creation, but His creation has rebelled. Jesus is the King of light, but people love the darkness rather than the light. And it's all of creation. Notice here, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, The one who is Lord of creation has come to lay down his life to provide reconciliation for all of his creation. Why does all creation need to be reconciled? Because all of creation has been cursed. Think back to the garden of Adam and Eve's sin. And God pronounced the curse on the serpent, on the woman, on the man. And there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 18, we also find this. Cursed is the ground because of you. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. We could spend a lot of time talking about this. You know why work is hard? You know why it's not always enjoyable? Because of the curse. All of creation is under a curse. You know why just when you think that today is going to be the smoothest day all week, then something happens and you're like, where did that come from? Why, why, is, why is work, why is life hard? Because all of creation is under a curse. We find in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Notice that. The creation is waiting. On what? For the revealing of the sons of God. That's talking about those who are saved. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. The creation didn't want to be subjected. But because of the sin that entered the world, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of Of our bodies. Again, thinking right back to the resurrection. That time when those who are in Christ rise with bodies that are incorruptible. And all creation is set free from the curse. How does that happen? It happens by God coming to the earth. And providing through His death a reconciliation. See, we live in a creation that is groaning under the pains of childbirth. But Revelation chapter 21 speaks of a new heaven, speaks of a new earth, where the old is gone, and all things have been made new. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne, that is Jesus, said, Behold, I am making all things new. When we celebrate This baby, we are celebrating the making of all things new. We are celebrating the lifting of the curse from all of creation. One of my favorite 
Christmas songs. I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because it's not really a Christmas song. It's really a song about Jesus' second coming, but we sing it at Christmas, which is fine. I just think we could sing it all year round. It is the song Joy to the World. And my favorite verse in that is, I think it's verse 3, and this is what it says. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Where did, where, where did the writer get that from? Several places in the scripture, but one of them, I'm sure, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. How is reconciliation possible? By someone coming to offer a perfect sacrifice so that the relationship between humans and all of creation and their creator could be restored. And that's exactly what Jesus did. When he laid down his life, he is a head. He is a king who is willing to lay down his life for his people. This baby was born to die. And through his death, to save you, to save me. To reconcile us back to God. I wonder today if you can celebrate Jesus because you can say, I have been reconciled. I have been reconciled because of what Jesus has done. Can you say that? Can you join one day with all of creation singing praises to the one who has reconciled you back to the Father. Do you get to look forward to one day rising from the grave with a body that will live forever in the presence of our King? Do you get to look forward to that? Do you get to celebrate Christmas looking forward to the day when you, when you get to see? You get to see that person that Mary laid her eyes on. Except he won't be a baby, but he'll have a crown. And it will no longer be a crown of thorns. It will be a crown of kings that reigns forever. Because he once wore a crown of thorns on your behalf. Do you celebrate Christmas with that joy in your heart? Because you have been saved by this baby. only way we can truly celebrate Christmas is if we have been reconciled. If we have conquered death through Jesus, conquering it on our behalf. If we have believed in this God who became man and continued to be God and offered Himself as the perfect sacrifice. And why would, why would He put verse 19 in between verse 18 and verse 20? It's because they all go together. If Jesus is not fully God, then He cannot reconcile through His death, nor can He rise from the dead. 
If Jesus is not fully God, then his death accomplished nothing and he would still be dead. The virgin birth of Jesus is as essential to the gospel as the cross. And the cross provides the purpose for the virgin birth. It all goes together. Christmas and Easter may be, so, may be separated by four months. But it should not be separated in our hearts. The reason we celebrate this baby in a manger is because he came and laid down his and conquered death. Do you know Him today? Have you been looking for God in all the wrong places? Do you know today that your relationship with God is broken because there is sin in your life and you have never repented and trusted in Jesus Christ? Maybe you've talked about Jesus Maybe you believe certain things about Jesus, but you've never believed in Jesus. You've never submitted your life to Him and said, you are the head. You rule me, Jesus. I encourage you. I plead with you. Trust in this Jesus today. He is the head of the church. As the body of Jesus, with Jesus as our head, the world ought to be able, the world ought to be able to look at the way we celebrate Jesus and know without a doubt, they may not understand it, but know without a doubt that Jesus is our leader, that he is our master, that he is our life, that he is our head, that he is our reason for celebrating. Jesus is the head of the church. We submit to him and him alone. He alone has conquered death. He alone is fully God. And He alone reconciles us through His gracious, loving, sacrificial death. Let's celebrate Him, church. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before You. And we just want to say thank You. That we have a leader. That we have a King. who would lead the glory of heaven, come and be born as a baby, live a perfect life, and then lay down His life in our place, dying a sinner's death. And then rising from the dead. Rising victorious. Conquering death. And not just doing it, and then leaving us be, but letting us join Him one day and being raised from the dead to live with You, Father, forever. Lord, we celebrate Jesus. Heavenly Father, we celebrate Your Son. No one is like Him. No one has done what He has done. Father, I pray that there is someone here today who's never trusted in Christ alone for salvation. That, Lord, Your Word would penetrate deep into their hearts. That they would bow before You as head of church, as Savior, 
of the world. The reconciler of all creation. And today, they would receive salvation. Father, remind us of the cross as we remember the baby in the manger. We celebrate Jesus together as the church. He is our head and we give Him the glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen.